0: you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, here we are, well into the month of July, almost August. You know, we're trucking through this year, 2012. Before we turn around, it's going to be the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. New Year's and into a new year. This is the time to be planning. What do you want that new year to look like? What do you want 2013 to bring? Well, we know that if you want different results than what you're getting right now, you have to decide what are you going to change. We're going to be looking at that and that and more in today's questions. This is Dan Meller on the 48 Days Online radio show. We're going to be talking about your questions your concerns, real life questions, and how we can take advantage of the opportunities out there, how we can take advantage of the changes that are going on, whether those feel like they're being thrust on us or whether we are choosing to initiate those change is the only potential for progress. we keep things the same by definition, progress cannot occur. So change just assume that when it comes, it's going to open the door to progress. How can you make better decisions? How can you attract good things into our lives by creating and delivering a plan of action? That's what we're going to be talking about. Here's some of the questions I'm going to tell you about why you should take a chance. I'll come back to that in a minute with our quotation for the day. But here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, I just turned 46 and all the stuff I was going to do is still not done. You know, isn't it interesting how that happens? We have all these big ideas at 18, 20, 22. Well, all of a sudden life happens and boom, we're 45 years old, 46 in this case, all the stuff I was going to do is still not done. Well, it's not too late. Most real things that get done are done later in life. You don't have to knock it out of the park by the time you're 26 years old, but by the time you're 46, you ought to have a pretty good idea of what it is you're going to do that's going to be your most significant contribution. So we'll talk about that. Another question Dan it is extremely difficult to make a livable profit in this business. Now he's talking about the printing business we talked about that a little bit last week this guy has a follow up comment for the decision we talked about last week should a guy invest money into a printing business. Dan what's the difference between a manifesto and an ebook? That's an interesting question. I kind of researched that a little bit. We'll share that, talk about it. Dan, I'm continuously looking for ways to earn additional income. Well, that that touches a whole lot of people. So we'll look at what are the things we can do today? Where should you start if you have the desire to generate additional income? Somebody asked Dan, can I make money in the area of hip hop and comic books? Hey, we'll have fun with that one. And then what I want to make sure that we get to, we may land here for a little bit, this comes up so often in one form or fashion. Dan, what's your best advice to those who feel called to ministry but desire to make a better income? Yep, we'll look at that. Hey, here's our quotation for the day. It comes from Napoleon Hill. Those who will not take a chance seldom have one thrust upon them. Now, I need to let that stew for a little bit. Those who will not take a chance seldom have one thrust upon them. Isn't it interesting how often we see somebody just hanging on to the way things are by golly, going to just keep this job, even though it sucks going to just keep you know, driving the same way to work, doing the same things on a weekend, going to the same place every two weeks for vacation once a year. Well, I mean, that's okay. There's certainly a place for routine, but again, if you keep things exactly the same, chances are you won't find anything different on the horizon. Those who will not take a chance seldom have one thrust upon them. Here we've got a right to the bank event coming up. A lot of you have been asking questions about that. You know, what if you don't have anything written? Well, we have a lot of people come who don't have anything written yet. Coming now is probably a good time. So we help you craft. What are you going to write? What are you going to write that has value? How are you going to position that market it? Now's the time to be framing that whole thing as a business not just sit down in front of the computer, crank out the next novel. That's coming up August 2nd and 3rd. I'd love to see you here. Check out the details at the 48days.com site under live events. Now this comes from Matthew, and this is just a cool thing. Matthew in California, a listener says, Dan, I don't have a question, just a quotation about vocation and self-actualization that may be helpful for your listeners. It comes from a blog titled The Art of Manliness. Here's the quotation. Seeking your vocation isn't selfish, robbing the world of what you could have done with your gifts and talents is. Ooh, geez, I love that. Thanks for passing that on, Matt. That's worth reading again. Seeking your vocation isn't selfish, robbing the world of what you could have done with your gifts and talents is. Make sure you are maximizing the use of your gifts and talents or otherwise you're going to stand in judgment day. You're going to be accused of like the guy that had one talent, and just buried it. He didn't do anything with it. What are you doing with your gifts and talents? A couple of the questions today really zone in on that as well. Sometimes we get off track thinking that we're, we're called to something and it's not a good use of our gifts and talents. I question that there's an issue of stewardship there that we have to look at. We can't justify just doing something God or humanitarian ecologically friendly or politically correct if it's not using our best gifts and talents if we're running it at half speed you're running at 50 miles an hour and you got the ability to get 100 yeah i think there's an issue there where we're going to end up frustrated and i think that's questionable if we've really lived the life we wanted to live if that's true well let's go to the questions chris from colorado says Now this is in response. Last week we talked about a guy who has $150,000 saved up and he wanted to buy printing equipment, buy the equipment for a printing business. I question the wisdom of that with printing going the way that it is. It's a very antiquated business. Printing is a commodity. It's very low margins. There's always somebody down the street or on the other side of the world who will do it a little cheaper. It's not a business that I would get excited about. I think it's a very risky business in a traditional application. This comes from Chris. Now in Colorado, who says in response to the Chris from Charlotte, wanting to start a printing company, we took over an existing embroidery and screen print shop last year. I agree with you, Dan. It is extremely difficult to make a livable profit in this business. We got in the print biz part-time to supplement our income over the winter when our property maintenance business was slow. But I ended up spending 16 to 20 hours a day, six days a week with my wife helping out, trying to keep the doors open and stay ahead and almost completely abandoning our primary business, the maintenance company. We will be closing next month before we fall too much farther behind. Not trying to discourage anyone, but I wish I had sought more counsel before jumping into this seek counsel, seek counsel, seek counsel, and not from the guy trying to sell you the business or the equipment. Well, thanks for that input, Chris. Certainly validation. Yeah, I think it's a tough business, and thanks for sharing your experience in that very business. Nick says, What do you think about coupon publications like Coffee News and The Waiting Game? They're franchises. Also, would it be copyright infringement if I did my own publication in a similar way? Now, what Nick is referring to there, you can go into a doctor's office, and there's a little magazine there, The Coffee News. And it's got little generic information, inspirational things in it. And then it's got coupons, coupons that you can take with you, coupons that you can use. The waiting game is the same kind of thing. Now, what Nick is asking about here is those are franchises. Well, let me just kind of take it one at a time. Would it be copyright infringement if I did my own publication in a similar way? No, absolutely not. There's no copyright infringement. You can do that. There's tons of people that are jumping in the game there. But here again, I want to caution you, but do you really want to get into the printing business? Now, we just talked about that already. What you're talking about is the printing business. Now, think about how the daily coupon business works. There's a whole bunch of them out there. We all know them. Groupon, Living Social, Daily Deals, moolala, and there are tons more. Now, I use Yipit. Y-I-P-I-T, that's the only one that I use because what it does, it's a compiler. It looks at over 400 of the daily coupon deals out there, tells me only what I'm interested in right here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm not interested in clothing, sporting goods. You know, I'm interested in a couple areas like restaurants and entertainment shows. I mean, those are the things. So I have it scan all of those and that's what I get. This is a big explosive industry. Groupon is the behemoth in this. They've bought up a lot of competitors, but there are new ones popping up every day. Well, I shouldn't say that because at this point, a lot of them are dropping off the face of the earth because the whole concept has gotten kind of cold. Speaking of the concept getting cold, let's go back, Nick, to your question. Do you want to get into the business where you're printing coupons on paper? Now think about the appeal of the daily coupon business. It's because it's instantaneous right now, only today you're talking about if you're printing coupons, you're probably going to have what, maybe a two week delay in getting the deal, then laying it out in the magazine, doing the copy layout, printing it, delivering it before anybody has a chance to see it. Man, no way. I mean, by then it's really old news. This is not an appealing business that you're describing here. You can do it on your own, but it's not even a business I would recommend you, you look into. Now, here's, here's the deal. I mean, this is good research. You, this is how you find good ideas is by looking at a lot of ideas. This is like getting a great deal in real estate. You don't whip into an open house on the way home from church on Sunday and buy a piece of property is the first one you looked at. Now nah, you're going to lose your shorts on that kind of a deal. What you do if you want to buy something, you look at 100 deals you really research, you know, different areas, you know, the geographical neighborhoods, you know, what's happening in foreclosures, you know, what's being sold on the courthouse steps. You've read four books on the subject. You look at that, those hundred properties, you make offers on 20 of them. You get counteroffers on three, you zero. And that's the way you get a great deal. The same thing is true in business ideas. You don't just pick up a magazine, see an idea, or hear somebody talking over at the mall and just jump on an idea. You research. That's why often when people come into to me with an idea, I tell them, okay, now I want 20 more ideas, 20 more ideas that would capture what you know about yourself and would be things that you would know about that you would enjoy, that would be profitable. Then we zero down no more and more and more. We narrow down until we get the best three, do a little bit more research. Then we're going to find a killer idea. Working with a gentleman just yesterday from North Carolina who we did exactly that. He had a very extensive list initially. We zeroed in. He did some research. You know, I took a little, uh, another course to help him get even more knowledgeable in a particular area, and he is ready to rock and roll. But he's in a very niche kind of thing that not many people understand, and I think that he will knock it out of the park, so to speak. This idea, I, I don't think it's a good idea. I, I think you're talking about something that is dated. It's old technology, and what you're talking about is promoting old news before it gets there, coupon magazines. But take the research that you did here as part of the learning process, research some other ideas. You're on the right path. You'll find ideas that do make sense, that are up to date, that are cutting edge, that fit you, that will be profitable, and that you can do. Jim from Virginia says, you talk about people writing a manifesto or an e-book. This is is a cute question because I've not really thought about it. What's the difference between a manifesto and an e-book? When I think of the word manifesto, I think of something that Unibomber kept wanting newspapers to print. You know, I I know I use those terms. I kind of throw them around. Gee, I got a new manifesto. I think manifesto just sounds a little fancier than ebook. Ebook is just like the generic term, it's like scotch tape or Kleenex, you know, a rubber band. Ebook. E- ebook is just any book in a digital form. Manifesto really if we look at the word properly. a manifesto is like a declaration of your intentions or your opinions or your objectives, your motives. And usually a manifesto is put out by maybe a government or some kind of an organization. So the kind of thing that uh, the Unabomber did, absolutely that's a manifesto and we probably ought to reserve it for those kind of documents rather than just you're telling about how to build a birdhouse and so you call it an online manifesto eh, it's a stretch to use the word like that and i apologize for using the terms loosely i probably ought to stick with ebook i don't know that i've ever done a manifesto i mean it could certainly be a compilation of some of my opinions and um Things I recommend that people do, but even there, it would probably be a stretch. So yeah, yeah, ebook probably is the more accurate terminology for most things that we're going to see online. Now, Jim had an additional question. He said a few podcasts back, you talked about getting health insurance by being part of a group for a discount. Could you go over that subject? Apparently, I referenced it and then never really talked about it. You mean I went off on a tangent? I got diverted. Shiny object syndrome? Surely not me. Well, yeah, I know it happens, probably happens a lot. All right, how do you get health insurance by being part of a group for group discount? There are two primary groups that if you are an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, you have a business of your own, there are two groups that I would recommend. Those are the National Association for Self-Employed and the other one is National Federation of Independent Business. Those are both great organizations that look out for the needs, of small business, if you've got a lot of help and assistance. So the acronyms there are going to be NASE, National Association for Self-Employed, and NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business. Both of those are going to give you access to health insurance plans. If you go, if you go to 48days.com and just over in the search field over on the right-hand side, just put in insurance for self-employed. It'll take you right to a lengthy document that I have there with all kinds of links. There are other groups that you can be a part of, even if you're working for a company where they just may not provide insurance. There are groups like Samaritan Ministries International, Christian Care Ministry, MediShare, Christian Brotherhood Newsletter. I've got a bunch of them in there. Those are just groups, groups of people that get together. They form their own insurance in essence. Works a little different than insurance, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing but those are groups where you can be involved and get good rates for your insurance. The other thing, obviously for a, an entrepreneur is a HSA a health savings account. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool offered to us by our wonderful government. Whereas small business owners, we can put money into account right off the top where it's money before taxes are taken out. So it's like a tax deferred account. Then we pay medical expenses out of that. Now an HSA you know, I, I have a high deductible. That's what I have. Joanna and I have had one for years. Love it. Wouldn't consider any other option at this point. So check that out. Your your local bank can help you get set up with that if you need a little help on that. Well, let's see here. We need to let you know. This is Dan Meller and the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Where every week we look at questions about work, business, life, purpose, calling, doing what matters. Doing work and having a life that matters and how to do things that are meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Well, we crammed a lot in there. Those are the kind of things we discuss here. Your questions. If you've got a question, you can go to the 48days.com site. Look for the podcast link. It'll give you an opportunity to shoot your question in. I'd be delighted to consider that for an upcoming show. I love the one day of the week when I open up all those questions, start scanning through, see all the questions, a lot of similar ones. We try to choose those that have application to a lot of you as listeners, but appreciate your questions. Now, here's one. This comes from Delhi, India. Buana is the name. Buana. Hi, Dan. Thanks for continuing these podcasts regularly. It It beneficial for all. Again, probably not... English is the first language, but I'll read it pretty much as Buana has stated I'm a student. I have to get trained under a CA and they pay peanuts. I tried real estate to earn money, but wasn't successful to close deals. So I'm continuously looking for ways to earn additional income. And I got across one while listening to your podcast, which is write an ebook and sell it on eBay. I'm considering the same, but I'm confused on what to write. I have knowledge about how to file returns or reconcile books, so shall I go ahead and write books about them, or do you consider them as general topics? And should I look for some other topics? Thanks in advance for your reply. Love from India, Buona. Well, thanks you for your question from New Delhi, India. Here's the way you need to approach this: Look for something that you really care about. You you don't write an effective ebook just because you have the ability to write. You're a good wordsmith. You can craft words and you understand punctuation, grammar and syntax and paragraph structure. Now you find what is it that you talk about when you're with friends and family. Compelling writing happens when you have a message, you're so excited about it, you can't contain it. You can't stop talking about it. You wake up thinking about it. When you've identified that topic, then you have something to write about. So be careful about thinking, well, anything I throw up on eBay, people are going to you know, send money my way. No, they aren't. You have to have something compelling. You have to have a very attractive title. Golly, one of the books that I offered this week in a blog was Acres of Diamonds. If you just go to 48days.com, you can find it quickly, I'm sure. But it's Acres of Diamonds. I offer the free book just as a download. But we've got a really attractive cover that I had done. There's a starburst on the front that says forward by Dan Miller. I intersperse in the book coming out of the public domain, intersperse a whole lot of my comments and encouragement for you to get involved in the 48 days community in other ways. Now we give that away. Now we could sell that. That's a very attractive book, the way we've made it look, but look at that as an example of what you need to do if you're going to sell an ebook, because You're selling something that people are going to see visually. So they aren't going to know much of the content. They're going to see it. So you want something that is very compelling and engaging that they see. So look at that cover of what we did with Acres of Diamonds as an example. That's what you have to have if you're going to sell on eBay. And yes, you can sell books that you create there, but it has to be very attractive. You have to have very compelling content copy in describing what's in there. And it needs to be something that you're passionate about, something that you write with conviction and authority in doing. If you have those components, then absolutely, yes, you can write books, put them on eBay, and make a lot of money. Marshall from Connecticut says, Dan, I love your podcast. I'm writing because I always have the overgrown hobby of music and art, specifically in the area of hip hop and comic books. It seems to me that a lot of advice from yourself and others often emphasize coaching, teaching, or information content. What about entertainment content? With all the free and or cheap means of entertainment out on the web and other platforms, is there a market for independent entertainment content? If so, how does one go about selling content that's primarily entertainment based on web effectively? Thanks for your time and help. I've already learned a lot from your show. Well, hey, we appreciate your question, Marshall. Entertainment, you're asking if there's a market in entertainment. I mean, entertainment makes the coaching and teaching arena look like first graders. Entertainment is massive. Hey, let me get a little background going for us here as we talk about this. All right. Entertainment. Now, let me ask you this. How many people know the name of Dave Ramsey or Dan Miller or even Deepak Chopra or Tony Robbins compared to Jay Leno or David Letterman? Would a fifth grader know the name of, uh, say, Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine or John Maxwell? What about Chris Rock, Taylor Swift? They ask a kid about those names. What about Kim Kardashian or Tom Cruise? Yeah, everywhere you turn around, you see these faces. They're entertainers. All of them. Beyonce, Jay-Z, Public Enemy, Queen Latifah, Ludacris. Hey! You know who I got playing here? Can you identify this? This is a hip-hop guy. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg. Well, you know what? Snoop Dogg has changed his name. He no longer wants to be called Snoop Dogg. It's now snoop lion snoop lion this is from his brand new single called la 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 kind of a combination of hip-hop reggae and some other things hey this is just to underscore the idea there is tons of opportunity in entertainment you can approach it from a whole lot of different directions i have a friend lee Lentz who I got to know years ago, Lee is a magician, really great magician. So he was doing birthday parties for little kids, you know, getting a hundred bucks. He's like, how can I extend this? How can I do more? We looked at some ideas today. Lee does corporate events. I think his fee is 15000 $15, $20,000 a day to do events because he does product introductions for major corporations. It's entertainment. As a magician, but instead of doing kids' birthday parties, he does corporate product introductions. Just research some people who are already doing what you want to do. Hey, we've probably had enough of Snoop Dogg, Snoop Lion here. But, you know, I just want to emphasize, entertainment is a great area. Look at people like Jeff Foxworthy. I mean, he has CDs, books, DVDs, figurines. Check out Scott Adams, the cartoonist. You know, sitting in a cubicle not doing his job because he wanted to do cartoon figures. It's entertainment. Has he been able to leverage that? My gosh, he has had more New York Times best-selling books than I'll ever dream about and most authors. He's got CDs, syndicated comic strips, T-shirts, mugs, mouse pads, and it goes on and on and on. Entertainment ideas, everyone. Absolutely, you can do that. There's so much potential there, it makes my head swim. Well, let's go to let's go to a question. This comes from Bill in Mississippi. Now, Bill shot in a question, but then he also did an audio question, and he's talking about renting chalets in a tourist area. Let's listen to his question, then I'll have a few comments. Oh, you know what? That is not the audio is not coming through on that. We're going to skip that, and just uh, we'll, we'll go on to it an, and come back to that a little later. David from Pittsburgh says. I am in full-time ministry. Now we're going to park on this one for a little bit. This, this covers, I don't know, probably 20% of the questions that I get are somehow related to this. So I'm going to read this question and we're going to kind of unpack it. You will probably relate to it in some way. If not directly, you know about 50 people who fall into this category And this is one of those that we don't just pick up a career book and figure out the answer to David's question. Dan, I'm in full-time ministry as a creative arts pastor. I love what I do, but the income isn't fantastic. I'd like to find a way to increase my income doing something on the side, but I struggle to find the time with such a busy schedule. What advice would you give? Now listen to this question. What's your best advice To those who feel called to ministry but desire to make a better income. I wish I had us all in a big room right now so we could just unpack this and kind of get to the root of this. Now, I have my opinions, and what you're going to hear is certainly that. You formulate your own opinion on this. My dad was a pastor, of course, he was bivocational. So we he pastored a little a little church, but then we were farmers to make a living. So it didn't come money didn't come from his call to ministry in that traditional sense. I can remember as a little kid the times when they would take up an offering for us every quarter. So four times a year they would take up an offering for my dad as the pastor in the church. And I know sometimes it got as high as forty or fifty dollars. Yeah, you heard me right. Every quarter that was the offering from my dad as the pastor of the church i mean the people loved him he pastored faithfully but certainly didn't get compensated from doing that he was expected to do something else use some gifts and talents god has given you to be a faithful provider for your family well what about that as an idea my dad was a farmer went on to be quite successful what he invested in the farm turned in to be very profitable, took care of them well in their later years, which would not have been the case had he been dependent on retirement from his pastoring position. Now, what does it mean to minister? I mean, we have to, I, I am, I'm pretty testy about this concept of being called to full-time ministry. I mean, to minister means to give aid, to give service, attend to the wants or necessities of others. Is that restricted to somebody who wears a suit and works in an office at a church to give service, care, aid, help others. What about a nurse? Is that nurse giving service, care or aid to others? What about a doctor? What about a dentist? What about a stay at home mom or a worker in a retirement center? Are there really only a select elite few who are called to full-time ministry And if so, what does that mean for the rest of the population? What does that mean for the rest of us who are doing ordinary things? We're plumbers, electricians, lawn guys, window washers, teachers, politicians, authors, musicians. Are are we somehow second-class citizens because we haven't been called to full-time ministry? So I think there's a real distortion of that term. I think, believing as I do with my faith framework, that we're all called. We're all called. We're all called to ministry. We're all called to help, to serve, to give, to aid, just like we're talking about here. However, some people are gifted as brain surgeons, some as attorneys, some as truck drivers, some as grocery store workers, some as retail store employees. Those are callings that are every bit as spiritual as someone who happens to have the term pastor, teacher, evangelist, missionary attached to their name. I think it's a great disservice to all those people around us to somehow identify at some point, I'm called to full-time ministry. Now, I know you're just a peon out here, but and and of course, going along with that is since I've been called a full time ministry, I expect you to give me money because I'm doing something that's really worthwhile and godly. I mean, how can we justify that kind of a hierarchy? I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find that in any kind of historical teachings at all. Here, here's a quotation from Martin Luther. Now, this is not Martin Luther King Jr. This is Martin Luther theologian who had some pretty radical thinking but reshaped the way christianity was experienced by millions of people martin luther said therefore i advise no one to enter any religious order or the priesthood indeed i advise everyone against it unless he is forearmed with this knowledge and understands that the works of monks and priests however holy and arduous they may be do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic labor in the field or the woman going about her household task, but that all works are measured before God by faith alone. Martin Luther was commenting on what he was seeing, the elevation, the artificial elevation of those doing spiritual work and how it puffed them up. He says it greatly tends to hypocrisy by reason of its outward show and unusual characters, which engenders conceit and a contempt of the common Christian life. Now, what's your best advice? This reader asks, what's your best advice to those who feel called to ministry, but desire to make a better income. My advice is to make sure the application of your call to ministry does not compromise your responsibility to be a faithful provider for your family. How many people do you know who have been called to full-time ministry who can't put food on the table, who can't put two nickels together, who have a car that's fallen apart, the kids are embarrassed because of their clothes and they can't go on vacation? Now, this is not just about money, but it's about the effective use of gifts and talents that we have. Now, here's a verse that goes along with that. This comes from 1 Timothy 5.8. In the King James Version, it says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. In the message, it says, anyone who neglects to care for family members in need repudiates the faith. That's worse than refusing to believe in the first place. Pretty harsh comments about somebody who can't provide well for his family. Now, I know providing well is a relative term, Certainly, there are people who live simply, who are provided well for, but we see this borne out a whole lot. People who have been called to full-time ministry who struggle more than just a little bit. They're not living comfortably. They're struggling in every way. Here's my advice. If you have the ability to run a successful landscaping business, but you choose to work at a church, I would question the stewardship of the talents God has given you. Maybe it would make more sense to have a full-time job or business in an area of your talents and abilities, and then volunteer at the church. I mean, does it really take 40 hours a week for most positions in the church? And Here's also a question I would raise. Have we helped or hindered the development of people, people's ministry gifts by paying them to do nothing but that? How do we see this unfold a lot? How many people have I known? How many people have you known who have been called to Christian music? I, I don't have enough fingers, toes, and appendages to count. Trust me, and I'm sure you don't either. I worked with a young lady one time years ago who knew she was called to Christian ministry. What she would do is she would beg for opportunities to sing in churches. So she'd sing you know, in a little country church on a Sunday night and just praying, hoping, wishing, and dreaming that they would give her enough money in a love offering that she could buy groceries for the week. She was bumming a place to stay. Had a broken down car. She was literally living in somebody's living room because she couldn't afford rent, but she knew God had called her to Christian music. I said, Debbie, you are a competent administrator. You're clerical and office skills are impeccable. How do you negate those skills and just clamp down on this one area of your life and then end up frustrated at God because you can't pay the rent? Well, she took my advice, took a job, actually took a job with Fruit of the Loom, where I think she probably is to this day. She is a wonderful administrator, very quickly positioned herself to be compensated very well. She got her own apartment, bought a new car, and guess what? She still sings. She's a beautiful singer. She now has some CDs out. But think about the frame of reference from which she now sings. She doesn't have that pressure. Oh my gosh, I hope these people think I'm good enough to give me money you know, I better smile and kiss up because if they don't give me money, I can't eat tomorrow. Now she can go out and sing from her heart. She's not dependent on that. She sings from the talent that God has given her in a way that truly ministers to people, removing the hindrances in the back end that people often have. I mean, Paul in the scripture talked about the fear of tickling the ears of those who were listening because they were going to make his mortgage payment. Now for, Worded it differently, but how many pastors do you know today who are in that position? They can't speak from the heart. They can't speak a new truth that God has given them. They better not muddy the waters because those people sitting in the pews can cut them off in a heartbeat. Well, where am I here? Look look at what I have the opportunity to do week after week and what I do. I create this podcast, I address tough life questions about how to be effective in our calling and purpose. I hear from people all over the world. Our web people tell us that about 90,000 people listen to this podcast. Would I increase my full-time ministry if I took a job in a local church with 350 people in it? I'm not making light of the size of a church, but I'm just saying, really, would I Would, would I increase, my, could I possibly get a call to full-time ministry that would cause me to stop what I'm doing now? Well, If it increased my platform, if it increased my ability to help, to serve, to give, to minister to the needs of people, it could possibly happen. But in doing what I do, I think it's exactly what God has called me to do as my full-time ministry. If you want to frame it as such, there are a lot of ways to be in full-time ministry. If you've found the best fit for the skills and talents God has given you, I don't think your kids are going to go hungry. Well, Monday, Monday. This comes after Sunday. Can't trust that day. Who knows what we're thinking on Monday? Well, that's a good opportunity just to remind you, listen to Dan Miller. Hey, that was a long one subject rant there. If it was a rant, I apologize. It helped you clarify in your own life. I'm encouraged. I hope you are. So we can approach Monday with our head held high, knowing that not only on Sunday are we accountable for what we do, but the rest of the week as well. We want it to count. We want it to be meaningful. We want it to be purposeful. We want it to be living out our calling. But again, that takes a whole lot of applications in terms of how you can do that. i'm eager to get my new book out it'll be out here in a couple weeks i'll tell you about it then wisdom meets passion but we address that a lot in there written with my son who lives in Mombasa, kenya he has a calling identification clarity and his purpose like few people i've ever met he is he paid by a church no he's paid by the biggest coffee company in kenya he opens coffee houses but His goal for what they're doing in that is every bit the same as somebody who starts a church down in the corner. We have to recognize in today's environment, boy, there's so many tangents on this, and I do address a lot of these in Wisdom Meets Passion, but the younger generation is not enamored with sitting in a church pew on Sunday morning. We have to get out of the idea that that's the only way we're going to spread the good news and make the world a better place. Kids are saying, yeah, I'm spiritual, but I don't want to be confined to looking at the back of somebody's head for 58 minutes on Sunday morning. I may go fishing with my buddies, or we may go on a mountain hike or a bike ride or get together with a, for a picnic in a park. What if we gathered at our neighbor's garden and we all picked things processed together and had a big meal together in mid afternoon is, am am i am i going to go to hell because i didn't go to church that morning when i related to my neighbors in that way Uh, we've got to broaden our sense of ministry and with that are going to come a whole lot of new opportunities for each of us to be involved in living out our calling and purpose in ways that don't position us just in traditional church jobs well let me get in a couple more questions here matt From California says Dan I'm 27 I've known since 13 that I want to be a game designer equivalent of a film director I've trampled that dream for nine years considering it unrealistic but I've always always continued creating mountains of design documents because my heart cannot side with my head I'm in a joyless job and what's truly unrealistic is calling my existence life if I don't seize the reins of my future oh my goodness well, Matt continues, I'm confident in my skill and passion, but what about the money? I'm thinking of making a site, showcasing my ideas, finding a programmer who loves my vision, producing a prototype, then using Kickstarter. Kickstarter is a online format for raising funds for starting new ventures. I know an artist, but need a web designer, programmer, composer, and lawyer. I have $34,000 saved, no debt. I'm a bachelor, low-cost lifestyle. I make $6,000 your net income from a property that I own? Can I quit my $30,000 a year job and chase my destiny with limited resources? Yes, you can. But I need to throw in a caveat here. I think you need to be a little farther down the road than where you are now. I think you need to have something a little more developed in terms of being a game designer than where you are now. Now, here's how you can do that. One of the best ways to learn a new business is to get a job in a company that's already doing that business. I mean, you learn on somebody else's nickels, so to speak, for you to quit a job with no more reserve than what you have. And just to hope that you come up with a new game that does turn into money or that people will fund through Kickstarter to get you started. That is a stretch. To start with, I think you can do that while you're currently working. So I would say go that far at least anyway. See if you can raise $50,000 on Kickstarter to launch this new project. If you can, maybe it will launch you into doing it effectively. But you are, as you better know than I, I'm sure, going into an arena where there are millions of players. Pick up this month's, month's issue of Wired Magazine. Wired. It's a real edgy techno m- magazine magazine. I get it. Most of what's in there I don't understand, but I want to know what's going on. But in this month's issue, probably 80% of it deals with the game industry. Look at all the companies that are doing things. Offer your services. Get involved with somebody as a designer. So you're learning with them. You'll get the synergy of effort there, the economy of scale, where they have a whole lot of these things in place where you don't have to do everything, where you really can focus on design. And if your design work is compelling, if it is marketable, you're going to find opportunities with those companies. Find 30 companies that are already up and running that are doing game design. I would do that first before just burning the bridge with what you have. I don't think you're far enough into the idea development here to see if it's really going to make money for you. Well, Chris from Indiana says, I have a Christmas product that has been brought to me to sell. How would you go about doing research to best sell this item? If you sell online, what would you think is the best way about doing that? Thanks for all you do. Love your products. Well, I'm just going to give us a short answer here. I would get involved with a single product like that, a Christmas product, use Etsy or eBay. Get involved with big online communities where they already have marketing exposure, and then you just need to have a product that draws people to that. A single product, it's too difficult to... Start from nothing, get a website, the whole thing for just one product. Get in line with companies like Etsy and eBay where you can just put your product in as part of the mix of what they already have. Mike says, Mike from Orange Beach, Alabama says, Dan, I just turned 46 and all the stuff I was going to do is still not done. I'm just starting my passion, which is to help people realize their potential their strengths, their gifts from God, et cetera, through writing blog books, et cetera. In the meantime, I've got to create more income for my family. I live in a beach town with the largest city nearby being Pensacola, Florida. My recent experience is sales management, customer service. I'm great at relationship selling, but not knocking on doors. I'm in pest control sales with a company with an extreme lack of integrity. Ooh, ouch. I throw newspapers, clean houses, condos, have an entrepreneur's heart. My wife homeschools our children, so I need more income. Long story short, can you help me come up with the type of position business idea to create income while building my platform? Focus, focus, focus. What I would recommend is that you focus in on something that you you describe way too many things here. If you are good in relationship selling, now you're with a company where you don't believe in what they're doing because of lack of integrity, get out, get out today. But that is a great transferable skill for you to have. If you have relationship selling skills, you can land on your feet tomorrow with three more opportunities. Use those great selling skills and an opportunity that has more income aligned with a company and a product that you really can hold your head high and feel good about. So I would do that, but I would focus on doing that and doing that really well. And then be developing on the backside the things that you want to do to help people realize their potential strengths gifts. You can write, you can do a blog, you can do eBooks. Those are not, those are things that if you devote four to five hours a week to those, you can be an amazing place 90 days from now. So you don't have to devote 40 hours to that devote four or five hours a week to that the rest of your time to doing a job. Well, where you're being a faithful provider for your family, that's the way to do it. Well, Hey, I want to remind you about the Wisdom Meets Passion Cruise coming up. I've told you about the title of the book, and it'll be out, well, officially August 28th, but we're getting close to our delivery of books where we'll actually have them here in-house. We're going to have hardbacks here, special edition. We're going to have an Ubuntu medallion to go along with it. Real exciting things that we're doing here to make a real special packaging for that. Um, certainly it'll be available everywhere else in the world. And we're excited about that release as well. Got a cool release party coming up here at the Vanderbilt legends golf Clubhouse in Franklin on the 23rd of August. And, um, that's, some of you will get invitations for that. Probably certainly a lot of people will be getting an invitation for that. We're going to have a rock and good time that night, live music and a whole lot of cool things. But then we're doing a cruise in February, wisdom meets passion. And we're going to talk about creativity, how to find your best creativity, how to unlock your best skills, your talents, how to tap into the best that you have to offer and how to turn that into then what you do daily in a way that provides extraordinary income for you and your family. Being on a cruise for seven days, we're going to have plenty of time to talk, to have fun, eat together, swim, snorkel, whatever. But in the context of that, really give you a breather, a break from irregular work as it will for me as well, where we talk about how can we do things that matter? How can we in fact move toward work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable? Hey, check out the group, 48days.net. we got a growing group there. All kinds of new things happen. Get involved in groups that interest you. Let us know what we can do to help you with more resources to accelerate your path to success that you're looking for. Have a great week.